Those sounds you're hearing are from New Orleans, Louisiana. One of the many brass bands you can catch busking in the streets. This one is actually something I recorded myself when I was down that way a few years ago. Now you might be wondering, why are you playing this and not the normal Arpazar music by Bearsloth? Well, this isn't a normal episode. Actually, it's not an episode at all. At least not a full one. My original guest had a schedule change and couldn't make it. So I had a backup guest set up to come in, but then they ended up having to work late. Don't worry, I still plan on having both of them on future episodes. I ain't mad at you, no harm, no foul. But instead of leaving you hanging with nothing this week, I figured I'd record a special short episode talking about what I have coming up, which relates to the sound you're hearing. That's right. I'm headed down to New Orleans. It's mostly a pleasure trip, but it's turning more and more into a work trip as well, which I'll explain in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about why I love New Orleans and what makes it so special to me. Now, keep in mind, these points are in no specific order, but first and foremost, I got to talk about the food, the New Orleans food, the stuff I can't stop thinking about. You got the po' boys and the jambalaya and the red beans and rice. And what I'm super excited about is it's crawfish season. Last time I was down that way to New Orleans, it wasn't crawfish season. So, yeah, I got to have tons of great food and I got to do a lot of amazing things. But I didn't get the crawfish. Which, what I'm told, that's a true essence of New Orleans food. Sucking down some crawfish. So I'm super excited to do that. I'm going to be, you know, hopefully I'm going to be overdoing it. In many capacities. And there's, of course, the architecture of New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is a very, very, very old city. One of the most active ports in the United States. And the architecture reflects that old nature of the city, of which it's kind of a clash of many different types of cultures. And for me, I love walking around looking at the Creole cottages, but especially the shotguns. Those wooden structures that are often painted All kinds of amazing colors reflecting the family's taste or style or maybe a social club or a pleasure club that they're a part of. And what's really cool, something I learned last time I was in New Orleans, I took one of those cemetery tours. And pro tip, if you go to New Orleans and you've, even if you've been there a couple times and you haven't checked out the cemeteries, you got to do the tours. And the reason the tour is kind of necessary is that a lot of the cemeteries you can't get in without a tour guide. That's a thing because, unfortunately, people go in and vandalize. I don't know if it's so much locals, but probably visitors getting tanked, drunk, whatever, lit, and going in and probably smashing things up. But what was really cool that I learned is that often families, at least families with money, who could buy a big tomb for all their family members to share over time, they would paint their tombs, their family tombs, to look like their family homes. Now, I don't know how often that's kept up now because a lot of the a lot of the tombs are just basically down to the white stone that was used. I guess only in certain cases families still upkeep that, but the whole idea was that if you went to visit a loved one in a cemetery, you would just look for the tomb that was the same color as the family house, which I think is awesome. Just one of those really interesting things of culture that no one really thinks about. You don't really hear people talking about. But to me, that's like 
the depths of culture or something like that. You know, probably really only exists in certain places like New Orleans. I'm sure it exists in other places in the world. But as far as I'm concerned here in the United States, that's pretty specific to New Orleans. Obviously, it's a, a city steeped in history. They have uh, a bunch of different museums there, even the um, World War II Museum. Obviously, I'm more interested in the music side of things. But for history lovers, I mean, it is just the buildings themselves are so old. You feel like you're walking through history. You have some of the cobblestone streets still there. So if for anyone that's interested in history, it's definitely a place where you can wet your whistle. And for me, the big one is the music. Like I just kicked off the top of the bonus episode here, mini episode, whatever you want to call it. I listen to this music every day of my life. I can't help it. I connect with it in a very, very deep, strong way. You know, there's this funny saying that the only American invention is jazz. And jazz was really invented in New Orleans. So if you take that at face value, the only thing America ever invented was jazz. And it was done down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, obviously, we have patents and copyrights that prove otherwise, so it's not something to be taken at face value, but I think the meaning is well-intended, that it was the first very, very, very American thing to come out, because up to that point, everything we did here in the United States was based on what was done by people from where they came before. You know, if they came from Ireland or Germany or even parts of Africa or Asia, they brought those traditions with them. And in fact, that's how jazz came about. I mean, you had the plantation songs, the calls and hollers, which ended up over time transforming into the blues, which was the basis for jazz. And something that I read a few years ago that I thought was fascinating, the reason there are so many brass instruments in New Orleans and in jazz is because either freed or escaped slaves during the Civil War walked across battlefields and picked up the trumpets and brass instruments from fallen soldiers and started using them to play their gospel music, their field songs, anything that kind of spoke to them. And that was how brass bands became such a fixture. One of the ways, at least. Not the only way. But it is a part of history, which I think is amazing. Now, I plan on checking out tons of music. Aside from the food, it's going to be the main thing I check out while I'm in New Orleans. I'm going to hit, you know, Bourbon Street just very briefly, just to, you know, I'm going with a friend, want to show them they haven't been there before. Obviously, Frenchman Street is a lot more real for the brass bands and where the musicians go and hang and jam after their own gigs. Want to check out some shows. I'm hoping to check out a jazz house show. Not sure if I'm going to get to do it this time, but... It's something that's on my list because I'm going down. It's Mardi Gras season. I'm not going down for Mardi Gras day, but it is carnival season, which starts in early January. And I didn't know this when I planned my trip. Mardi Gras day, Fat Tuesday, is actually a bit earlier this year. It's usually closer to the end of February. So they have a shortened season. So I, I thought I had more time knowing there were going to be parades when I went, but not that I was so close to Mardi Gras day. So I've never been there for Mardi Gras day yet. I'm definitely planning to do that next year, which... I'll talk about more in a little bit. But I guess overall, one of the other things I love about New Orleans, it kind of ties it all together, is the culture. Like I said, New Orleans is steeped in history. There are people from all walks of life. It was a very fascinating port city where slaves were allowed to go. It was a French city. Up until 120 years ago, business was still conducted in French. You had the Native Americans there. 
And then one of my favorite things is the Mardi Gras Indians, which is a culture that has been born out of escaped or runaway slaves who were taken in by Native Americans. And over time, crossbreeding and culturals intermixing, kind of this new culture emerged, which is the Mardi Gras Indians. And for those who know who the Mardi Gras Indians are, ah, I implore you to go look at some videos Go check out some photos. These amazing folks, they make these beautiful outfits all year long. They sew them by hand to reflect birds of paradise, different birds they would see. And they make them out of feathers and beads, and they make these murals on them of what is important to them. Sometimes it's a fallen family member. Sometimes it's an animal that's important to them. Sometime it's them themselves, and each tribe has a big chief. And these guys spend all year long sewing, making their suits. And on Mardi Gras Day, they take the walk. And you see these Mardi Gras Indians will pass through different neighborhoods doing their dances and performances. And one of the most amazing things is when you see two big chiefs that cross paths. And they have their routine, their tradition, and they have to show respect for one another and try to outdo one another. And if the chief whose territory you're in doesn't approve of you, you got to turn around and find a different way. I love that. Again, something I haven't seen yet in person, but that is at the absolute top of my list, which unfortunately, again, I won't be there for Mardi Gras Day this year unless things change, unless I get so hooked into what's going on, I just don't come back, which is always a possibility. But in preparing to travel to New Orleans, I rewatched the HBO series Treme, which is probably my favorite TV show of all time. It's created by David Simon, the guy that also created The Wire, you know, widely regarded as one of the greatest television series of all times. But Treme is very, very special to me. And it's probably the third or fourth time I've watched it all the way through. The series is about post-Katrina, a few months after Hurricane Katrina, and it follows a number of characters whose lives seem to be disconnected from one another. You know, you have a musician, you have a lawyer, you have a woman that owns a bar, you have a DJ that works for WWOZ, the actual radio station in New Orleans. It's a fictionalized character, not anyone that actually worked there. You have this chef that owns her own restaurant, and Fun fact, the advisor for that show was none other than Anthony Bourdain, someone else I hold near and dear to my heart. So I've probably watched Treme all the way through three or four times now at this point. Love it. Still as great as ever. Um, it's only about three and a half seasons. They call it a fourth season, but it's really a half season on HBO because it didn't really have a big audience to keep it going. And for an ensemble series like that, you know, you kind of need your audience, but it was a bummer to see it go, but I love it. I think it ends great. I think it plays great all the way through. It's hard for me to see some of those actors and other roles because I relate them so much to that show. But I've watched other bits of that show many, 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 many times, especially the musical sequences and the stuff with the Mardi Gras Indians. The Mardi Gras Indian storyline is my favorite storyline in the whole show. And then my favorite character is Antoine, who is a trombone player a struggling musician that gets us kind of a spoiler. He goes on to teach a band class in middle school, and it's his struggles to kind of adjust doing it because he just wants to party and you know live the life of a musician. But then he starts to see how fulfilling and necessary this role is, especially as he gets connected with some of these kids. 
and he starts to feel responsible for them and get involved with their lives. And, you know, when you see what kids are going through, it's hard to just turn your back to them, especially when they're looking up to you. I'm always watching stuff about New Orleans music and documentaries. So I'm like, I feel like I'm very, very, very prepared as far as culturally taking things in. I'm ready to go. I'm so ready. And I am super, super excited. So just to talk about some of the stuff I have planned, and these are all things I generally recommend to do. Like I said, I'm going down to Mardi Gras season. So carnival season, lots of parades. So on the weekend, ton of parades all day long. It's going to be two full days of nothing but parades. Now, and this is kind of an obvious one, but I think it's so, 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 so essential. Preservation Hall. I already have my tickets, front row tickets for Tuesday night Preservation Hall All-Stars, which it's hard to pick what to go to. But for me, the best thing to go, if you can only do one, the Preservation All-Stars is where you want to go because that is kind of a throwback to the tradition of the Preservation Hall, which goes back to the 1960s, which uh, a couple from Philadelphia, in fact, traveled down to New Orleans just as tourists, and the space was operating as an art gallery. And the art gallery would sometimes have music shows, and the, the gentleman, Mr. Jaffe, he was drawn to New Orleans because of this cultural music they had. But it wasn't the popular music of the day anymore, so it was apparently very difficult for him to find this live music that he yearned for. And somehow, the art gallery manager and the Jaffees, they hit it off, and he offered them the opportunity to run the art gallery full-time, which they agreed to, and they turned it into a full-time music venue called the Preservation Hall, intended to preserve the traditional music of New Orleans. And they went and they found all the old-timer musicians that still played this stuff. And, I mean, literally the entire town is musically what it is now because of Preservation Hall. Because they made that traditional New Orleans music cool again. And that's why you, when you go down Bourbon Street or Frenchman Street or even all the little clubs and joints throughout the city, that stuff is there largely because Preservation Hall told the world how important it was. And it's a great little venue. They have these long wooden benches. I think it seats maybe 60 or 80 people. It's not, not very large. It's, at, in fact, smaller than our main gallery here at the Alternative Gallery. It feels like you're watching a jazz show in the 1930s. It just has that feel to it. It just they, The place hasn't changed at all. Even though Preservation Hall started in the 1960s, it wasn't changed even long before that. They apparently just bought the building next to it, and they're going to be expanding, which I'm both excited about and concerned because the great part is, obviously, this is such an important institute that you want to see it grow and increase its reach for getting this music and culture out there. But also, I don't know if the original footprint of the hall is going to change. I hope it doesn't because I think that is so special. I think it is kind of a snapshot in time. I would prefer to see it as is, but unfortunately, not my decision to make. But no matter what, I'm really glad to see that the Preservation Hall is growing because they deserve it. It's amazing. So if you've never been to Preservation Hall, it doesn't matter how trendy or touristy you think it is. It's popular for a reason, and you can't miss it. And again, check out the Preservation All-Stars if you can. One thing that I'm doing that I haven't done before is I'm going to go on a steamboat tour. I just recently read Louis Armstrong's first book. It's called Swing That Music, 
And he writes at length about a gig he had gotten on a steamboat that would travel up and down the Mississippi. He did this for two years. And he just writes in depth about the people he met and learning to become a better musician and the stops along the way and the issues along the way and how much he had changed and what it felt like when he came back to New Orleans and how this kind of set him up to going to Chicago, then New York, and then Europe and just basically everywhere in the world. And he was beloved everywhere he went. Very easy read. It's like 150 pages. I mean, I knocked it out in a few hours. If you want to feel very successful and good about yourself and like you're, I don't know, some kind of scholar, read a short book like that in a day. You know, it's a little dopamine rush. And all of a sudden you're like, ah, I'm a reader. I'm going to read 10 books this month, you know? And if you get short books like that, you sure as shit can read 10 books in a month if you do that. And one of the things I absolutely have to do is I got to go hit the record stores down there. The record stores for me in New Orleans are fucking dangerous because I want everything in those stores. It's not just jazz. I want the blues. I want the Zydeco. I want the Cajun music. I want the hip hop. I want the weird mixtapes. I want the weird 45s. I want it all because to me, it's uh, they're all artifacts. I don't know, maybe I need sort of a place down in New Orleans so I don't have to move everything so far. But, you know, I'm going to hit the main ones, of course. Euclid Records in Louisiana, Music Factory, incredible, incredible music stores. Uh, Peaches is not one I wanted to hit last time but didn't get to, so I'm going to hit Peaches this time. If you're listening and you have any recommendations about music stores or video stores or even bookstores, let me know because I like those things and I want to bring some of that cool stuff back with me. And I don't know, maybe when I get back, I'll do uh, a little list of what I got. Maybe I'll, I'll show everything off. And like I said, it's not just a pleasure trip for me. This is also turning into a work trip. One of the things I'm doing is I'm recording a podcast down there with NOLA DNA. It's an organization that was started because uh, a friend of mine, he'd actually bought, I believe it was from a collector in the UK, an entire collection of the Times-Picayune newspaper of which there wasn't a full collection anywhere here in the United States. So he has this like super, super impressive collection. And he does like traditional printmaking and archiving. So him and I really, really hit it off because we have so many similar interests and goals and I love what he does and he's fascinating. So I'm actually bringing some of the podcast equipment down there and I'm going to record an episode with him. I'm super excited about that because it's going to be the first episode I record outside of the gallery and hopefully it helps me figure out how to do podcasts while I am on the road because like we've been talking about a lot in this podcast, we are trying to travel a lot starting this year and New Orleans is my first trip. But I'm not just recording a podcast. I'm taking my camera gear down as well. Now the project that I'm hoping is going to come about isn't quite official yet, but I think it is. With the camera gear, like I'm taking it down because I'm going to start filming little bits of things for what I hope will be my next feature documentary. I don't want to say what it is yet because it's still a work in progress, but I feel really good about it and I'm very excited about it because it's something I'm passionate about and it's something that's going to, if I get the funding to do it, it will essentially pay me to travel and hang out in New Orleans for a bunch of time, which to me, I don't know, I, I hope this little conversation I'm having here with myself is letting you know how much I love New Orleans and how special it is to me. So I'm very, very excited about my trip and I'm excited about these projects that can come about. Now, I don't know if I'm going to release anything next Wednesday, which would be February the 7th. 
Now I'm going to record tons of stuff with my phone, my camera, obviously the podcast. We're going to see. I might just try to throw something little together just like this so you have something. But at the same time, I'm going to be having one hell of a time. So I might not put the time aside to do some editing and throw something together. So we'll see. Just keep an eye out either way. I'll make an announcement. I'll share some information. And I will definitely, no matter what, be sharing some photos and videos of this trip. So you'll get that at the very least. So I'm super excited. Headed back to New Orleans. I'm going to come back more culturally fulfilled because I'm just not getting what I need here in the Valley. I ain't trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but I need more than what's here. And the only way for me to get it is to travel. And to me, New Orleans is the height of American culture. And I cannot wait to immerse myself in it. So bon voyage for now. And I will see y'all in the Art Bazaar when I get back from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm going to leave you with those fine tunes once again. See y'all soon. (laughs) 